Welcome to the 96th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and the cinema con man, because he ain't, in fact, in this industry, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? How does it go? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, Simon Eady? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. It's busy. It's a busy week for news in terms of film and TV this week. Oh, it's a busy week for TV shows that have, have been dropping. Honestly, just the TV, just TV shows in general. There's so much, so much to watch right now. It's hard to keep up, Simon. I would agree. And you know what's interesting, too, is that it feels like a little bit like it's like a almost like an embarrassment of riches in terms of the movies that have been coming mm. out lately. Oh, yeah. Like, I kind of didn't see... I feel like I got blindsided, and I think you might have as well, when we saw Everything Everywhere all at once, mm-hmm. and that it's just so good. Yeah. And I don't think we anticipated it being as good as it was. But then The Northman came out, like the Robert Eggers movie. Mm-hmm. And then we... I mean, we're going to talk about a movie we just watched recently. We got a Marvel movie coming out soon. Next week. Yeah, next week. It all got kicked off by The Batman and then right after that was arguably the best movie of all time, like in general, Morbius. Mm-hmm. That also came out this year. So I think it feels like to me, and uh, I don't know how we didn't talk about this in more depth before this episode. Well, maybe we didn't, I just forgot. Mm-hmm. But it seems like all of these movies are just residual drops because of the COVID. COVID made sure that all of these movies are just coming out now because all of these like distributors like Sony and Disney Marvel, they all kind of were hesitant to de- deliver these movies during 2020 and 2021 because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like they're all coming now. And it's not just Marvel movies. It's it's a lot of movies. Crazy good movies. Yeah. So, so yeah, they're taking a bit more risks or I guess they're less risk averse. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if that's the correct way to say that. They're, they're, not, they're not feeling it like it is as risky to launch now. Uh, these films, but yeah. it's kind of exciting. But Adrian, the reason why there's so much news this week is specifically because of CinemaCon, which happened this week. Oh, um, I don't know if you were watching the news for CinemaCon, but CinemaCon is basically like a conference that the distributors put on for the theater owners, mm. these theater chain owners. So they they do these presentations saying, "Hey, we're Disney Marvel. Yeah, take a look at what we got cooking." And then there's like Warner Brothers on stage and it's like David Zaslov's like, hey, it's me, David Zaslov. It's a me, a Zaslov, is what he says usually. I got some crazy movies coming. Yeah. These are them. Tell me, Zazzy. Yeah, I heard him in it. I heard him. I heard him in an interview. Yeah. It's exactly what he sounds like. Mm. Not really. But David Zaslov did say something at CinemaCon. Um, I think it was at CinemaCon or was it CinemaCon adjacent, but he specifically mm-hmm. was saying that, first of all, it was announced that Robert Pattinson is in fact coming back as Bruce Wayne's, aka the Batman. That's awesome. Which I feel like we already knew that. Yeah, but again, we, we talked about it briefly with the merger of Discovery and Warner, how Zaslav is very dead set on kind of rebooting the DC universe and kind of having some sort of person at the helm and and, and making something great out of it. 
Um, yeah. So we were a little bit, you know, like there, there was that little thought in the back of my head that maybe, just maybe, he's going to be like, actually, fuck this Batman trilogy. Like we're we're starting everything from scratch and building it from the ground up. So this is just very reassuring that we are getting a Bat Reeves Batman two with Robert Pattinson. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I agree with you. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, there was a little bit of an inkling that something could go like uh, terribly miscalculated, and they mm. could just ditch that series because I think it's David Zaslav that said that he's got to find three billion dollars somewhere. So mm. he's kind of have to. He has to make some cuts. I think it was like three billion, some some massive number. Yeah. Over the next few years, which is a lot of money. Mm. So. It could be cutting various things. Who knows what that might be? But it, I'm sure, based on the success of the Batman, both on HBO Max mm-hmm. and on in, and in theaters, that that would not have happened. But it would have been shocking if that was the way he miscalculated it. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think they released the number. It's like over four million people like tuned into it within that first week or some shit like that. Like on HBO Max. Yeah, on HBO Max. Like it, it was its most yeah. the, the largest opening on that service. Um, which is pretty Crazy. cool. It's good to hear. Because it did very well in theaters too. So I wonder if it's just like repeat viewership or mm-hmm. it's cool. Simon, my alarm's going off. I don't know if you can tell. Yeah, you're... Not alarm, I guess. The grandfather clock. It's the, the ding from the grandfather clock. But notice what time it's going off at. It's going off at the proper hour, baby. I adjusted it. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Proper minute. Yeah. I was like, proper hour. What do you mean? Oh, you yeah. waiting for me to listen to a ding? <laughs> ding, ding. It's like, hold on. Hold audience. We're going to listen to the clock. It's like, I know what time it is, Adrian. But yeah, it's going on, uh, off at the proper minute now. It's not going off eight minutes prior to the hour. It's going off at the hour. Wow. Look at you. You're just mm. like an adult. I am very much so. It only took me like Incredible. two months to, to actually adjust it. But hey, I'm proud of you. Thanks, man. I'm proud of you. Thanks, man. So to go to cycle back to circle back to Zaslov, mm-hmm. um, for one thing, I feel like he's pretty business savvy. And I feel like the, everything I've heard him say so far, he seems like he's a pretty cool executive and he, he could be making some neat decisions as we go forward. So I'm kind of excited that he's in charge of Warner Brothers Discovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as much as you can be for a guy who makes like millions of dollars a year mm-hmm. has you know the things we love in his grasp mm-hmm. <laughs> and could just crush them in his fingers but cool. at the same time he seems like he's he's doing the right things he's going to probably make the right moves especially because he said that he's going to bring together a more cohesive dceu mm-hmm. like dc extended universe into the film and uh tv space which i'm kind of excited about because that's kind of what we've been missing as as we've said many times on this podcast yeah, but one other thing that Zaslav said, which I thought was really cool, was that he is in full support of the theatrical window. Oh, I love it. Which recently Warner Brothers was not in support of, and a lot of creators and directors were kind of pissed off and spoke out about, like Denis Villeneuve, and I think James Gunn spoke out about it when they did that weird move to launch all these movies on in theaters and on HBO Max simultaneously, mm-hmm. which was kind of like a. I don't know, a Jason Kalar decision, who was the previous guy in charge of Warner Media. It seemed like that that was his decision. I'm pretty sure it was. But anyways, that didn't go over well with creators because nobody seemed to be given the heads up when it came to directors or uh, like creatives uh, that their movies were going to be released day and date on HBO Max and in theaters simultaneously. Yeah. So the fact that he's claiming now that he's in support of that theatrical window, which has been kind of truncated down to 45 days, 
I believe his direct words were, the data is starting to show in terms of whether they'll remove the theatrical window and just do streaming. No way. So he was asked basically, that was a really badly said by me, but he was basically asked, <laughs> would, you, would you remove the theatrical window? In uh, maybe some other words, but mm-hmm. I've truncated it here. And he said, no way because of the data and what it shows. That's awesome. And so I, I respect that too. I respect that, although I mean, I mean, the data could have showed something else. But uh, I know we've talked about the theatrical window and how much we value it. Mm-hmm. Like we're specifically speaking about the theatrical exclusivity window because we like going to the theaters, Adrian. We like going to the theaters. It's true, Simon. Yes, it is true. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had more to say. Sorry, I paused there after you said that, thinking that you would say something else. But Adrian, there's other things at CinemaCon. I'm just going to rifle them off to you here. I'm just going to list okay. them. I'm going to ask you what your opinions about them were. For sure. Real quick. Uh, just quickly. Real, real quick yeah. before you list off stuff. Is CinemaCon like SawCon? <laughs> what? Sakon D's nuts. <laughs> Got you. Uh, classic. Oh my god, <laughs> that was awful. But uh, but yeah, okay, okay, Adrian. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yeah, I, well I feel like I've done that before on the show. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have. Yeah. Um, we talked about other cons. So so uh, yeah, well done, well done, Adrian. Okay, so. <laughs> Let's go through, let's rifle off some of these uh, things that were shown. And I'm going to ask you, are you excited about it? Yay or nay? Or you can put in your two cents. First thing is, and they released this photo publicly as well, because a lot of these CinemaCon announcements were not released publicly, but the Barbie photo, the Greta Gerwig directed, Noah Baumbach written Mm -hmm. movie that stars Will Ferrell, most importantly, Margot Robbie, (laughs) and seemingly you somehow, and Ryan Gosling. Ryan the Goose Gosling, baby. Yeah, um, I'm actually very excited for this movie. I did see that photo. It looks great. It looks cool. Um, one thing I did hear about as well, though, Simon, which is a little bit disappointing, that Aqua, the the band, the Barbie Girl song, yeah, it won't be in the movie. I heard that. Yeah. And uh, it seemed to be a little bit of a... Uh... Dispute between Aqua and Mattel. Yeah, that's like an age-old... Age that's like many years ago, mm-hmm. I think, that dispute happened. Because they they figured that her her song was not like kid friendly enough. It gave Barbie a bad name. And that's why they had that dispute initially. But that was like years ago. So my question would be, I guess, this is some crazy talent behind it. Mm-hmm. What the heck could this movie be about? I'm very excited for it. I feel like it I want to live in a world where a Barbie movie comes out and it's one of the greatest movies of the year. I want to live in a world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And with with this with the talent attached to it, I genuinely think this is possible. I'm excited to see it. I I imagine it's going to be really funny, um considering, you know, Will Ferrell being attached to it. I think the cast, I think Margot Robbie cast as Barbie is um, I, I don't think you could really cast anyone better. I think I think that's that's a very great one. The photo is awesome. I know it looks Pretty it great. looks really great. Um, but yeah, never in a million years would I have thought that I'd be excited for a Barbie movie. But here we are. I know it's just crazy. Like Noah Baumbach wrote Marriage Story, which is one of the greatest movies of that year. Um, what was that? Three years ago? Two years ago? Something like that. I don't, I don't remember exactly With when. Adam Driver, and then Greta Gerwig made one of my favorite movies ever in Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I Again, it's just the, kind of what you said. It's, it's almost like a contradiction that this should be good. And But why are they attached to this? Like, why do they want to make this movie? 
<laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. So it would have had to have been to have been approved by Mattel. So that's kind of what I'm kind of curious about. That's why I questioned the thing about the Aqua mm-hmm. song not being used because I'm wondering what what kind of approvals are they making in 2022 for a Barbie movie? Now, hopefully there's not too much meddling, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Adrian, the second thing. Continue. The second thing. Actually, there's many things that we saw. There was an Avatar teaser apparently, and there was a bunch of things about that. Sam Worthington talked about the movie. Oh, yeah. You sent me a link <laughs> uh, about that. I didn't send you a link. I sent Jimmy a link who in turn sent it to you because we don't talk outside this podcast. Yes. Jimmy, our technician on the show. Yeah, yeah of course. We would never talk outside this podcast. Never, but never he will. sent You sent him a link. He sent me it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, by proxy, we, we discuss things uh, very, very vaguely. But yeah, do you have anything to say about that? Avatar 2. Yeah, I mean, like, again, I, I, I don't like Avatar. I've, I've made it fairly clear. I, I don't think Avatar is a good movie. But yeah, like there's a quote from Sam Worthington. Um, I took it off Variety where he says, when I did the first one, I was 30. Now, 45. Uh, so, sorry, Worthington said now 45 while promoting um, his new FX true crime series under the banner of heaven. Anyways, uh, and when the second one comes out, I'm going to be pushing 50. In the first one, I was in a wheelchair, you know, and by the time we get to the fourth and fifth, I might actually be in a wheelchair by the time we get to do it. I was like, what? (laughs) What an odd thing to say. I would have liked to hear him say that because I was wondering, I kind of wondered, is he joking? Is that like a joke or is he saying that seriously because it is true? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Maybe it's a degenerative disease. No, I think he's saying he'll be so old, like he'll be like 95 by the time it comes out. That's what he's claiming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't think. <laughs> well, they announced, I think they announced the dates for the Avatar movies. I could be wrong. I don't remember exactly. Why, why does he have to have a de- degenerative disease? <laughs> well, if they're coming out within the next 10 years, I don't imagine by the age of 55, he's going to be in a wheelchair uh, no. with, without a degenerative disease. That's the joke. It didn't come out within the time frame that James Cameron placed. So if he said 10 years, just double that by, or, or quadruple uh, it. That, okay. I think that's – isn't that the joke? Layered humor. We've been waiting for Avatar 2. <laughs> Avatar 2 is going to say layered humor. <laughs> Avatar 2 was supposed to come out in like 2014. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's ridiculous. I think 2012 initially. I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's been a long time coming, and uh, I don't know if it's going to live up to the hype, but apparently people were really impressed with the footage of CinemaCon, so there's that. There's also, and I didn't even know this was coming at all, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the Hunger Games prequel, which ha- doesn't even currently have a like a uh, announced cast yet. Oh. Did you hear about that? I totally, I feel like they announced that many moons ago. I don't I don't remember this being a thing, though. Um. My brain yeah, kind of just left know. it, but I don't know. I'm cool. I'm excited for that. I like the Hunger Games movies. I think they're pretty damn great, actually. And, and I'm always down to watch just like people kill each other on on screen. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, there's also, and this is something that's also like a sleeper cell type of movie, like the Barbie movie. The they showed like a one minute clip of the Borderlands uh, movie. Like they showed footage of that. Oh yeah, and that also has crazy talent attached. Mm-hmm. We talked about how Eli Roth. Uh, is directing it and it's got some crazy like it's got Kate Blanchett it's got Jamie Lee Curtis attached to it Jack it's got Black. uh yeah Jack Black is claptrap it's kind of insane I, I'm pretty sure I read this on IGN I, I believe they said like the art style style was nailed so I'm like and, and initially I didn't know whether this was going to be cel shaded but it seems like it is like the games that's cool 
Which I don't know for sure because they didn't show anything. They've only showed like that silhouette, which looked really good, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I was not super hyped about this because Borderlands is like hit and miss in terms of its story in, in, in the games. But Tales of the Borderlands, that kind of more linear game that's like an offshoot of what Borderlands actually is mm-hmm. and that it's mostly a first person shooter type video game and that Tales of the Borderlands is basically just playing through a story. You like that I as love an it. example. You yeah. like that story. So the music was spot on too, if I recall you saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it had some, some bangers in that. So that's kind of exciting. I don't know if you're excited about that, but I just want to say one more thing and I didn't even notice this. Craig Mazin, the writer of Chernobyl and the writer of the Last of Us series on HBO, mm-hmm. is also the writer of the Borderlands movie. Did you know that? I had no idea, actually. That's wild, dude. I know. This is another one of those movies, just like the Bar- Barbie movie, that could just be amazing and we just don't realize it yet. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the best rated superhero movie? You mean video game movie? Oh, sorry. Did I say superhero? Yeah. Yes, video game movie. Possibly. Although the people in that are kind of superheroes. Yeah. Like the characters anyway. Yeah, I guess so. But it's possible. I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally shocked with like this much talent attached to it. I, I want how's Sonic 2 doing? I know Sonic 2 is the highest grossing video game movie in US. It's like domestic. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like 60%. Oh. Not bad. I believe. I think the audience score is really high. I want to watch Sonic 2, but no one's watched the first one. No one wants to go with me. I might just do a matinee on my day off. Who knows? Oh, okay. It's 67% specifically. Nice. But it's got a 96% Rotten Tomatoes audience score. Pretty good. So much higher there. Um, and, uh, they showed some John Wick 4 footage. I don't nice. have much on that. Top Gun Maverick footage with Tom Cruise. People are really hyped about that. That was like claimed by somebody to be like one of the, like the, a top tier action movie basically. Yeah. Um, you ever watched the original Top Gun? Cause I never have. I haven't. And I feel like I should cause yeah. it's a classic. That's like a, and the soundtrack is also amazing. Like mm-hmm. the score for that movie is, is like literally classic. Remember when Canada's Wonderland used to be Paramount Canada's Wonderland and then they had the. Yeah. I was just about to say that exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now the Top Gun ride. I forget what the name is now. It's called like Flight Deck. Yeah. Something like that. That seems all right. That seems right. Paramount Canada's Wonderland was cooler. Mm-hmm. Like when it was Paramount Canada's Wonderland, I, I kind of appreciated it a bit more, but they actually played, I don't know if you remember this, but they played the soundtrack, the, the score when you're going through to get onto flight decks, mm-hmm. sorry, Top Gun, it would play that song, like the da na 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 you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, man. I know what you're humming, I guess. Yeah, great. Anyways, I really liked it. I, I don't know. I liked even the Paramount, they had like better, I feel like they had better mascots. They had like a Paramount, like a, a walkway that kind of celebrated Paramount films as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. There was like a there was like a nice little cobblestone path and you can go through it and kind of admire the little statues of Paramount mm-hmm. movies. Anyway, I like that as well. Me too. Because I was a I'm a I'm a film guy. I like films, as evident evidenced by the fact that we're running a film podcast. I hate films. No, you don't. Yeah, that's true. You liar. You're right. You're right. I did lie. Last thing I'm gonna say. They showed some footage of the Flash movie, and apparently Michael Keaton's on like a, a bat cycle. Like he's on a motorcycle at one point. And um, man, I can't wait for that Flash movie, but mm-hmm. it did get delayed until 2023. So it's still a long ways out. But yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm excited about that too. Awesome. There's more, by the way. There's more little news tidbits that we're going to go through throughout this podcast because our news is uh, related to what was shown at. Uh, CinemaCon as well, Mm. but we will get there shortly, Adrian. But before we do, 
Okay. Before we do, somebody uh, somebody wrote into us, Adrian. Whomst? So let's reach into that mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of email. Podcast at gmail.com. And Kenneth Stadelbauer, longtime collaborator, Kenneth Stadelbauer, wrote into us and he said, Gentle peeps, forgive me for pummeling a lifeless equine, but I want to add my two cents about method acting. In its original form, method acting is vastly superior to just regurgitating lines, especially when you can react in character to an ad lib. Even the extreme of staying in character between shots isn't necessarily bad. You occasionally have actors who distance themselves from the rest of the cast if they are playing a villain or don't speak to their on-screen nemesis backstage. If you are immersed in character makeup, I don't see a problem if you try not to break character off-screen. The problem is when it becomes toxic in your interaction with coworkers. I have yet to hear from anyone who worked on Mrs. Doubtfire complain when they tell the story of Robin Williams visiting a nearby adult shop in character, full makeup and costume, and talking to the proprietor about dildos. Nice. Jared Leto's style of method acting is only complained about when it negatively affects others. The problem isn't staying in character. It's being an asshole to the cast and crew when you're doing it. A email here signed by Kenneth, and he's got a quote here. There's a fine line between the method actor and the schizophrenic. A quote by actor Nicolas Cage. Nice. Adrian, we've talked about method acting the last two weeks, maybe three weeks. I don't know. We talk about it eight weeks on and off. I specified that... uh, I just want to make clear that method acting isn't really being in character after the camera stopped rolling. Um, it's just really about putting yourself in a state of mind and trying to relate to what the character has gone through in a way that you can like take your own experience and relate to that character in a way that you can almost become them in that moment when the cameras roll or when the, you know, uh, when you're on stage and the curtain kind of mm-hmm. parts. But certain method actors decide to do something else, which is to be the character when the cameras are not rolling, like Jared Leto or Daniel Day-Lewis or various others. And this can be perceived as good and sometimes perceived as bad. Not so good. Okay, damn it. Bad. Thank you. Thank you for your attempt at broadening my vocabulary, Adrian. But uh, but anyways, yeah, Jared Leto sometimes has gone too far, theoretically, but... You think? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sean wrote into us last week, and he specifically mentioned that Jared Leto on the set of We Crashed actually enhanced Anne Hathaway's performance by method acting in his fringe type of method acting, where he was basically the character for the full six months in which they filmed that show, We Crashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is about the the WeWork situation. That that shows on Apple TV Plus if you want to check it out. But um, so that's an example of when the kind of the fringe method acting, where you're the character all the time, can work potentially. And there's lots of in situations where it can potentially work. Like as long as you're not creating a negative experience for your coworkers, as Ken says, and I agree with Ken here. I feel like that's true. Um, yeah, I think that this is a a good sentiment. Do you have anything to? to um, argue with Ken about or agree with him about in terms of his email? Uh, no, man. I, I think you just about covered it. I think Ken makes some good points. Um, and just honestly, just bringing up Robin Williams. Gone too soon. I miss Robin Williams. I grew up on Mrs. Doubtfire. I love that movie like so, so, so much. I watch that all the time. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I that's a good sentiment. Yeah, you know what? Method acting can be good, but not if it's Jared Leto. I, unless it's on the set of We Crashed, apparently. 
with Anne Hathaway. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably other sets in which he did a good job. I think he did method acting for, or his fringe method acting mm-hmm. for all of the movies he's been a part of. Mm-hmm. But I want to specify again, method acting is very good Yeah, as a concept. It's the fringe stuff. It's the stuff where you're being that character offset or off camera. That's where it can become problematic. That's mm-hmm. what I was specifying last week. Because method acting as a concept is just becoming the character in the moment by, again, empathizing and thinking like them mm. thoroughly. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, man. I know what you're saying. Okay. I just want to, I, I think that, I don't know, I think we can do a better job at defining it as a as a podcast, theoretically. It's not too difficult for us to, I feel like, create the line. I agree. Between method acting and the, and the fringe stuff where Jared Leto mails his co-stars. Condoms. Use condoms. Yeah. Which... By the way, apparently uh, Jared Leto had said, actually, on an interview I was reading about, and then he denied it afterwards. Pick a lane, buddy. (laughs) I'm not sure which one happened. Jared. I don't know. That guy has a cult. He's a weirdo. Hmm. Hmm. I don't like Jared Leto, man. I just don't like him. I know. I know you don't. I don't know if you heard me talk about it before, but I just don't like him. (laughs) I mean, audience, if you listen to the last, like, 10 or so episodes... I think you'd know that. Mm-hmm. But Adrian, Ken quoted Nicolas Cage here. Yeah. And I feel like that's the perfect segue to talk about what we've been watching this week. And that is the unbearable weight of massive talent, which we saw in theaters together, but of course did not talk outside this podcast because we're not insensitive to our viewers' time mm-hmm. and uh, and their perceived quality of this podcast. It's true. It's true. So Adrian, what did you think of the unbearable weight of massive talent, the, the comedy from... Um, Tom Cormigan with Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. Simon, I thought this movie was great. I'm going to read you my letterboxed review, okay? A little bit of uh, letterboxed um, marketing for for my letterboxed account. You ready, Simon? Uh, yeah, sorry. Letterboxed, so the audience knows, is a social media app in which you rate movies and, and I guess mm-hmm. see what other your friends have basically rated yeah. for those movies. So I rated The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent four out of five stars. In my review, I laughed many times, period. Wow. And um, deep. let me tell you, right here, right here, right now, live, I laughed a shit ton in this movie. I laughed many times. This movie is genuinely hilarious. Um, I think it's incredibly well written. I think it's very well acted. I think the chemistry between Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal – is phenomenal and easily the best part of the movie. Um, how their relationship builds throughout it and their bromance throughout this entire movie is just, it's top tier. Um, there are so many funny ongoing bits in the movie. There's a reference to Paddington, which I'm very happy about because I love the Paddington movies. Um, it's really, really great. I love how meta the movie is. Um, it makes sense that it's very meta because it's Nicolas Cage playing himself as Nicolas Cage. But the the the, the jokes have so many layers, and um, you know they're they're you know they're talking about writing movies in the movie <laughs> while the movie is playing out in a very similar way of how they want to write their movie. If that makes any sense. And um, I think it's just very well done. I think, um, again, everyone involved in this um, 
it seemed like kind of like a, I don't want to say a passion project, but just a very well made comedy film with, with a, with some, even like, I would say like emotional beats. It's not like a crier movie at all, but you know, you're just watching these two dudes become really good friends and play off one another. And the trailers that they released um, for the movie, um, which funnily enough, they reference in the movie um, in like a very meta commentary way, uh, kind of throws you for a loop because it, the the movie doesn't play out in the way that I expected it to, which is very nice. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised multiple times throughout the film and and they have some like twists and turns uh, throughout it. Um, and yeah, I, I genuinely adored this movie. I thought it was really funny probably the funniest movie i've seen this year i would say um and uh definitely would recommend what did you think about this movie simon denisidi i would agree with you i laughed many times Mm -hmm. period that's all okay cool what else have you been watching i'm joking i I want to say a little bit more, if I may, Adrian, if, unless you want to, unless you have some place to be. No, too, too late, man. We've already moved on. You can't anymore. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm joking, dude. I'm making a little bit of a joke. Please. I don't have much more to say. I feel like what you said kind of covered it, to be honest, actually. But it, it, it was very good. And I agree with you. The chemistry between Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage is actually, is, is so good. It's, it's very, very good. And um, man, Nicolas Cage just can... Uh, can do so much he's just such an entertaining actor he's got such a crazy range of movies that he's been into and like i I just think it's so interesting because the the references to his movies i feel like the one thing i I felt like i was kind of fish out of water with was that i felt i really felt like i didn't see enough nicholas cage movies to watch this movie and i agree yeah appreciate some of the the humor in some aspects and i feel like i should have seen some of the more classic nicholas cage movies um i feel like we more recently saw a lot of his uh, some would call maybe his straight to video on demand movies, which Five Nights at Freddy's sort of movie where he kills a bunch of robots. That movie, that's a good one. Yeah, on this press tour for this, people were asking about his video on demand kind of phase uh, of uh, movie making, in which they kind of were questioning whether he maybe put his heart into them all. But I feel like he defended it that that phase of his career mm-hmm. saying that like he put his heart and soul into every one of those movies. And I feel like you can feel it honestly. Yeah. Like it, I feel like that's not in dispute for me. I feel like every one of those movies he put his, he gave it his all. And I think that's clear. Like Mandy's so good as an example. Uh, Pig is like incredibly well regarded. And I think Nicholas Cage actually think this one, thinks that's personally one of his better movies that he's made in his career, which is pretty cool. And um, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie is kind of hilarious. It's a ridiculous concept. And the the fact that he says nothing, you know, he literally says nothing (laughs) the entire entire movie. movie. He just grunts a bunch. I love it. It's so cool. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. And the fact that they were like kind of gutsy enough to make that movie is really neat. And uh, I I think he was trying to pay off some debts, but I, I don't know if that really matters. I think that just makes him such a unique actor who's been in so many interesting varied diverse experiences as movies and this is one of them and this is the only one i think he's been in i'm pretty sure for sure uh that he's played himself Mm -hmm. and uh i feel like it just was knocked out of the park and i saw nicholas cage in an interview uh recently it's funny this is the first talk show he's been on uh like late night talk show in 14 years apparently but he was on jimmy come alive okay um 
it's a pretty interesting interview, honestly. It's because it's because Jimmy Kimmel is like a fan, a Nicolas Cage fan, you can tell, and he's just like asking him all these like urban legends about Nicolas Cage. He's like, "Did you? Was it true that you try to buy a Batcave? Is it true that you were once stalked by a mime? Things like that." And Nicolas <laughs> Cage gave, gave some answers, which I thought was really, really quite quite funny to watch. But he um he was asked about obviously the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yes. As as you would, because that's why he was at this mm. late night talk, talk show with Jimmy Kimmel. But he was asked about the um, uh, about Tom Cormac- uh, Gormican. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I feel like I butchered in the beginning of this mm. segment. But uh, Tom Gormican, who's the director of the movie, and he he asked. Apparently, Nicholas Cage asked Pedro Pascal, like, "What uh, what do you know about Tom? Like, what's his deal? He seems like he's a." He's a fan of mine. And, and Pedro Pascal's like, well, uh, he's kind of like me in the movie. Uh, he's a super fan. <laughs> and Jimmy Kimmel made some quip about like, sounds like you might want to get like a restraining order against this guy, which is kind of ridiculous. But um, it's clear that Tom uh, Gormican, as well as Pedro Pascal's character in the movie, are really big fans of Nicolas Cage, which, is, uh, which makes it all the better, like for sure. And you can tell. Like the love and care and the love for Nicolas Cage's movies is evident, and so I, uh, I must say, I loved it. Yeah, and I, as I said before, and as you said, laughed many times. Yes, I, uh, I highly recommend it. I think if you have the time, you know, you you want to you want to watch something a little bit more lighthearted and fun, go to the movies, watch this movie, have a good time. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Again, embarrassment of riches. Like we've seen a lot of good movies over the last like mm-hmm. little bit. Three like bangers, as you would call them, Adrian. Yeah, in a row. I still want to watch that Bad Guys movie, that that DreamWorks Bad Guys movie, which is rated very well. Yeah, with a Sam Rockwell and mm-hmm. that song from Billie Eilish. Yeah, clearly titled that way just so they could use the song from Billie Eilish. I'm the bad guy. That one. Yes, that one exactly. Yeah, I'm kind of inclined to watch that too. I don't. Uh, sorry, how was that? Reviewed? It's like above a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes last time I checked. Oh, damn. Man. We're having a good April, I would say. And we're going into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. It's coming out. It's 87%. So it's went down a bit. That's exactly what uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is, actually, on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Which is great. It is. It is indeed great, Simon. Okay, Adrian. What else did you watch this week? What else did you watch? Mm, Simon, I will uh, keep this brief. Um, Better Call Saul is back. I actually watched the first two episodes when they launched two weeks ago and uh, then watched the third episode this past week. It's really great. Um, I keep on being reminded that Better Call Saul is arguably, if not the best, one of the best television shows on air right now. And it's... I thought you were going to say of all time. So good. I would, I would even go as far to, to say of all time. But Simon, I haven't seen every show. So I don't know. I also, t- to be fair, I haven't seen every show that's airing right now either. So Yeah, that's true. God damn it. I, caught, I, pull, I put myself into a corner. But anyways, it's, it's really, really good. Uh, again, it's just fucking amazing. The, the way the story is unfolding is just so satisfying. I can't can't freaking wait to continue watching this it makes me very sad that it's coming to an end but i'll i'll say it uh we've said it before and i will say it again i genuinely think better call saul has exceeded the quality of breaking bad um i think vince gilligan has learned from you know his i wouldn't even 
say his mistakes just he's he learned from what he did in breaking bad and he learned from the earlier seasons of better call saul and i feel like by season three the show just really hits its stride it becomes phenomenal and this last season so far is just absolutely brilliant and honestly season five was start to finish just perfect i would say so i'm i'm very excited to see where the story is going to go technically we know where it's going to go just because breaking bad takes place after this but i'm uh I'm really loving it. And um, yeah, I'm going to watch that uh, on Monday in the fourth episode airs. And then uh, the other day, actually, Ozark, the final season, the last few episodes of the final season uh, came out. So I'm going to try to binge that this week, but haven't had a chance yet. And uh, Undone season two, uh, which is an Amazon Prime original TV series. They dropped all the episodes on Friday as well. So I want to watch that. Undone being uh, is that sorry is that a new season or a new series? Uh, season two is the new season, yeah, of Undone. Uh, Undone being the show by um, the creator of BoJack Horseman. Oh, um, you've watched the first season? Yeah, I watched it. It came out twenty nineteen. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. You didn't you didn't talk about that on this podcast? I don't remember if I did or not, but it's definitely possible that I never did. Raphael Bob Waxberg mm-hmm. is that his name? Correct. But uh, the creator of Bojack Horseman. Yeah, it's it's really damn good. The uh, that first season is amazing. Cool. And uh, I am very excited to uh, watch season two this week or next. Sweet. Did it drop all at once? Sorry, or did it, it drop? It did drop all at once, which is yeah, which is again, okay. it's interesting what Amazon is doing because Amazon is, I feel like, the one streaming service in particular that really is, um, just just kind of going experimenting yeah experimenting like with um the legend of vox machina which i recently watched which i really liked based on like a dungeons and dragons campaign by the critical role um people it's like a podcast um those dropped it by like three episodes at a time for the 12 episode run and then i think the boys diabolical dropped all their episodes at once then i think I think what the boys season two dropped like its first three episodes and then dropped weekly from there. So it's kind of interesting to see like how Amazon's just kind of doing their own thing. I imagine once Lord of the Rings comes out, they'll, they'll do that weekly. So it's cool. It's cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched anything else, man? I don't love the weekly as we've discussed. Um, yeah, I mean, watching anything else. Yes. I finished our flag means death. Adrian. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's a David Jenkins created show. It stars Reese Darby. It stars Taika Waititi, um, and it's amazing. Nice. It's amazing. I love it so much. Our Flag Means Death is basically about the gentleman pirate, Steed Bonnet, who basically decides to give up his life of, his pampered life of, you know, as a, as a, like a, kind of a aristocrat. He's like a wealthy, a wealthy dude in 1717. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to give up my family and become a pirate. So he just goes out to sea and decides to become a pirate with a, like a full crew. And the crew is like hilarious. This is obviously a comedy. It's a 30 minute comedy. It's on HBO Max and mm-hmm. Crave here in Canada. And uh, I feel like I couldn't have been more entertained. It's the quirky comedy that I come to expect from Taika Waititi, I feel like. And that I feel like it's got that kind of style of what we do in the shadows and uh, Phil Ragnarok. And it's directed that at least the first episode is directed by Taika Waititi but it's created and written by uh David Jenkins whom I'm not actually sure what else he's done now I'm just looking at it like briefly here mm-hmm. but um I'm a fan of the show it's such an interesting show and like the relationship between 
um, Reese Darby's Steed Bonnet, the Gentleman Pirate, and uh, Taika Waititi's Blackbeard is just incredibly entertaining. And uh, it goes directions that I just don't didn't think or expect it to go this series. And I, I also like the idea that they just don't seem to care about the accents of the actors. They just kind of just accept that they all have these random accents, which I think is hilarious. They, they take a lot of... It's clearly an HBO show because the quality of the sets and the costume design and all of that stuff is clearly there. Mm-hmm. Um but then when it comes to like certain small details, I think they think it's funnier. And I, I honestly agree uh, that it's funnier when things don't line up properly because it's a comedy. And do the accents need to match necessarily? No. There's so many really funny com- like cameos in it as well. It's just, uh, man, is it worth the watch. And uh, I think you'll love it, Adrian. And I know you're planning to watch this show. So please watch it because it's I, – I don't know what it is. I just need – I feel like I just always have to have a comedy – in the wings. Mm-hmm. So this is the comedy that was recently in the wings. And the next comedy I'm going to go with is probably going to be what we do in the shadows. Nice. Because I feel like it's, it's on Disney plus and it's just sitting there. And I, and I think I got to have a drama and a comedy kind of to, to, uh, dance between. Yeah. Now when my mood's a little bit, you know, a little bit more down, I'm going to throw on the 30 minute comedy. It also is faster and easier to, to consume mm-hmm. while eating, you know, spaghetti as I did today. Oh, dude, that's good. I'm going to make spaghetti. I have like spaghetti sauce that I took out of my freezer the other day. Yeah. Because I made it for lasagna and I'm going to make some spaghetti for lunch tomorrow or dinner. Who knows? Cool. But yeah, it's just easier, I feel like, because the episodes are done quicker and, you know, it's just very lighthearted and yeah. you get some laughs in there. And uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, watch the finale. All done. Season one's done. And it's... Uh, something i'm very excited for going forward for for season two and beyond so i I, i'm that's awesome i'm happy this show is made sometimes these some of these shows that are made i'm just like man we're lucky i feel like sometimes and again the embarrassment of riches aspect of like what i've been feeling like for the amount of great content that's been released lately Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so good on you hbo max keep it up that's good to hear man yeah it's definitely on my radar my parents really loved that show but um Again, I got uh, a few things that I need. I'm going to, again, binge watch Ozark, watch Undone season two. I'm still watching Superstore, so slowly getting through season five now, which is really great. Uh, wow. And then um, Barry season three is also on, which I briefly forgot about. I think there are two episodes in now, so so much to watch. Nah, I'll wait. I love Barry. That show's so good. kind of want to rewatch it. Me too, but what do I not like, Adrian? Morbius? Week to week episodes. Oh. What does Morbius have to do with this at all? I don't know. I just what? it's the first thing that came into my brain. I just really don't like that movie. But what does that have to do with what I asked? I mean, it's something you don't like. Am I wrong? It is, but what is this connected in our conversation? How is it relevant? <laughs> it's not the question. Simon. It's well, it's relevant to the question you asked, but it's not necessarily attached to what we were just talking about. So This is a podcast. So uh try to connect things a little bit better, is all I'm trying to say. But whatever. I mean, that's fine. But uh, but yeah, anyway, anyway, yeah. So I don't love week to week. And so I'm waiting for Barry to finish. And I'm waiting for Better Call Saul to get close to the end of its uh, mm-hmm. first half of the season. Because it's, of course, it's split up into two parts on AMC. So it's, I believe, first seven episodes and then another six to end off the, the season. 
Nice. So I'm probably going to wait until at least four episodes air for Better Call Saul before I jump into the series. So probably by next week, I'll jump in. Mm -hmm. But again, Better Call Saul has been traditionally one of my favorite shows since it started. Like I just feel like Bob Odenkirk just knocks it out of the park. And thank goodness that man is safe. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know. His poor heart attack last August or whenever it was. I'm glad that he recovered. Yeah, on the set of Better Call Saul. Yeah, thank goodness he's okay. It was weird. Apparently, so he had the heart attack on the set of Better Call Saul. And then he got he recovered for like two months. And then he came back and they literally started on that scene from where they left off. Oh, damn. So it's, it's a mid-scene. In one of the scenes, he had a heart attack and then they just continued it, which I think is an interesting way to do the production. But yeah. They didn't apparently redo the the scene. Like they just they started from that point. Oh, interesting. But yeah, thank goodness he's okay. Me too. Yeah, that's all I would say. Because his career, I feel like, is lifted off. Like he's he's incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody is an incredible action movie as well. It is. Yeah, such an entertaining movie. I just uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. I feel like it's like mm-hmm. it's like the sky's the limit now for this guy. So yeah. Okay, Adrian. Okay. Should we move on to the news, my friend? Norbius. <laughs> no, no. Norbius. <laughs> really? No, no. we're going to continue. And that was awful. <laughs> Almost like the, whatever that stupid joke is you made at the beginning, the con joke. Sockon? Sockon, yeah, that's right. These nuts, dude. <laughs> is it like Sockon? Yeah. But what's the story? I just want to be clear here because I was confused at the beginning of the show. I'm still confused. Was I supposed to respond something? Were you trying? It was this like, um, like what's up? Like what's up, dog? Like, hey, Adrian, up, dog? Nah, no. So I'm not supposed to. Re- you didn't want me to respond in a certain way for you to make it so that I say suck on these nuts. Well, no, no, like you wouldn't say suck on these nuts because you wouldn't know the these nuts portion. I just gotta get you. I gotta trap you. You know what I mean? How are you trapping me though? Because you can trap you with the up dog thing. I guess you, you know up dog. What's up dog? Not much, man. I'm uh, pretty good. Simon, who's your favorite um, uh, Greek god? Greek god. Yeah. I don't know. They're all kind of assholes, aren't they? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Zeus. I don't know. Mine's Hades. Hades nuts are going in your mouth. <laughs> Uh, hey, these nuts are oh, okay. That's good. That was a good setup. That see, you trapped me there. I don't know if the other one was a trap. That's what I'm trying to say. But you have a lot of these. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if you have more. But we can t- continue that conversation later, Adrian, because mm-hmm. we've got the news to get onto. So let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that Adrian has deemed the most topical this week. Number one. As Variety reports, and as announced by Sony at at a CinemaCon trade show presentation, a third Venom film and a Ghostbusters sequel have each been greenlit after the box office successes of both Venom Let There Be Carnage and Ghostbusters Afterlife. The Jason Reitman-directed Ghostbusters Afterlife scored $200 million at the global box office, while the Andy Serkis-directed Venom Let There Be Carnage live-action Spider-Verse-connected film garnered $500 million globally. Wow. These box office results are especially respectable due to these films having attained their ticket sales during the global COVID-19 pandemic. Additionally, Variety reported this week that Sony is also developing an El Muerta 
live action Spider-Verse connected film with the incredibly popular musical artist Benito Antonio Martinez Acasio, aka Bad Bunny, cast in the title role. The character, Juan Carlos Estrada Sanchez, who goes by the stage name El Muerta, is a wrestler super anti-hero whose super strength powers are given to him in the form of a legendary mask that gets passed on through the generations of his family. The new film is slated for release on January 12th, 2024. Mm. Adrian, what do you make of these Sony CinemaCon trade show announcements? Um, well, Simon, I, I feel like a third Venom movie isn't too surprising. Um, I feel like, yeah. I mean, obviously they're building up like this live action spider verse, whatever they're calling it. The, the Sony Spider-Man universe, the, 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 what is it? Spum or something? <laughs> I, I don't even know uh, what the, um, acronym would be. What's the M? Uh, Sony Spider-Man universe movies. Yeah, Sony Spider-Man Universe. <laughs> Wait, did you movies. make that up? Yeah, <laughs> I think they actually the have a spum. name. It's it sounds right. I feel like I've heard spum before, but maybe not. Okay, maybe not. Maybe I'm making that up. Um, Sony's Spider-Man Universe movie. Ah, whatever. Who cares? Uh, but yeah, so I don't think it's uh, uh, too surprising that they're making an, like a third Venom. Um, as much as I don't really like those movies, like they did make a decent chunk of change in the theaters. So it's uh, I'm interested to see what they'll they'll do. I'm not optimistic at all. But hey, man, I really like Tom Hardy, and it's still although I don't like those movies at all. Really, I think Tom Hardy is just he's a delight to watch. His performance is always good. Um, and he's really the only enjoyable thing about those movies, I would argue. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm just so curious about what's the, like what Sony's doing in this, like spum, you know? Um, because, <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's yeah. I, no disrespect to uh bad bunny. Who's apparently a popular musical artist that I've never heard of. Um, you know, maybe I'm just too old for this, but, uh, this El Muerta guy, I did a little bit of research because I was like, I ne I legitimately never heard of this guy. And so I think that his first appearance was in 2006 in a Spider-Man issue. And I think he's only been in two issues of Spider-Man ever. And the, the interesting thing about this is that this character was actually made after Marvel sold the um, like Spider-Man like movie rights. So I guess if if any character past or present or future, I guess, gets created in a Spider-Man comic or is like, you know, sh shows up in a Spider-Man comic first, I guess that goes straight to Sony, um, which is an interesting little thing that I read up on. But this El Muerta guy, um, the character, it's it's I it, he, there's not much going on with him. <laughs> Realistically, he just has a mask and he, I guess he's like an anti-hero wrestler. And I just don't, I mean, you know, maybe this bad bunny guy, if he is like incredibly popular, I don't know how many people know of him. Like maybe he has enough, you know, uh, internet clout that he'll bring people into the theaters and people will watch this El Muerta movie. But I don't really see the appeal. I feel like there's so many other Spider-Man characters that you could use. Like, why isn't there a black cat movie or a silver sable movie? I, I remember that they were going to do uh, something like that, which I think are better known characters, especially considering, you know, their, the role that they play in the, uh, 
Spider-Man game on PlayStation four as an example. Um, I just feel like that would have been a, a better thing to make, but again, I don't know. Um, I'm just not optimistic on any, honestly, anything that's, it's just Sony doing for this spum. Um, and it's, uh, this is just a genuinely odd choice, in my opinion. What do you think, man? I think it should be pronounced Spoom, but uh, spoon. far from that, um, I would say that I agree with you, actually. Yeah, it's very strange uh, in some aspects. Like, it's like, stop getting ahead of yourself, like, one at a time would be what I would say. Like, you've announced a lot of these. We got Craven the Hunter coming out early next year. Then there's that um, Madame Web movie. But they haven't really proven that they can do any of them competently yet. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest issue. Like Venom is not great. Venom 2 is worse. And then Morbius is far worse. Mm -hmm. So I know that they can see the numbers and that they've obviously sold a lot of tickets perhaps. But I don't don't really quite see the reasoning behind building out this universe without Spider-Man. Because I feel like the connecting tissue for a lot of these characters, especially a character like Black Cat, by the way, mm-hmm. is Spider-Man. So it would be really cool if they can bring Black Cat to the next Spider-Man movie, maybe. That would make it quite interesting. Um, so maybe that's why they're holding off, because then they can have Tom Holland, Spider-Man interact with Black Cat. That would be cool, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so that would be neat, because maybe they're saving on, the, saving on the, 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 the actual characters that are, I don't know, more pronounced. Although Venom is definitely very popular. Morbius is arguably not. Although Craven the Hunter apparently people like. Um, I know Ken, like the gentleman who wrote into us earlier in the podcast, he really likes Morbius mm-hmm. so, as a character. But I, I don't really, honestly, the darkness of Morbius actually doesn't jive very well, in my opin- opinion, to the, the optimistic Spider-Man type universe. That's why actually these movies are not, it's almost a clash. Uh, they're not great because it's almost a clash mm-hmm. towards what Spider-Man is in this, the great thing about like even the Spider-Man game you mentioned on the PlayStation or any of the Spider-Man movies we've seen is that it's actually very representative of, I feel like the comics and the way that the, the show has been like the animated series and all that. It's very representative. Even the other movies before the Sam Raimi movies and the Mark Webb movies, it feels like it's very representative of what the Marvel cinematic universe is. And it's very optimistic and very uh, humor filled because Spider-Man's always making these quips and all this stuff. And then when you move into the Spider-Verse type anti-hero universe, it's like dark as DC. And it's like, do you not know what your target audience is? Like, mm-hmm. look at what Marvel has done. And you literally have one of the most upbeat characters in Spider-Man. And you're actually making it like this dire mood, like this brooding. You're, you're, you're capitalizing on this brooding concept with all of these characters. It's very interesting. Like they don't seem to understand what they have here. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not hitting the mark, but it seems like that's what it feels like more than ever now. It's just like, I don't know if any of these are going to be good. Yeah, man. Because they just don't seem to, like they have the connecting tissue is Spider-Man and you can't seem to, obviously you can't bring Tom Holland in because it's probably too expensive or he's he's in too many movies. He's like, I feel like he's in a lot. He's like one of the most like sought after stars right now, especially for Sony films. So maybe you just can't afford to have him in a lot of these movies, but I feel like it, it always kind of feels like it's just missing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like Gotham, the Gotham show on Fox. Like let's make a show about Gotham, but let's, let's spend the entire show of whatever, how many seasons was six, mm-hmm. six seasons 
and never have Batman in it at all. When Batman puts on the cape and cowl, the show will end, I think was the quote that yeah. creator of Gotham, Bruno Heller, said when the movie, when that uh, series started. I think they did a little loophole, though, because like Bruce Wayne still put on some like sort of outfit and like started doing crime fighting in the later seasons. Just he wasn't Batman. Maybe because they made him, they realized they made a mistake with that. Mm-hmm, probably, yeah. That statement. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know. That's a bit different, though, because the, the mood of Gotham is pretty much like the same. Yeah. But- I just, I don't know. I just, I feel like Spider-Man's perfect for the MCU because I feel like everything's almost, I don't know. I don't know if this is exactly right, but it almost feels like it's, the MCU is almost modeled off of the tone of his character mm-hmm. in a weird way. Yeah. Like lighthearted, quippy, fun. It is, but there's a lot of darkness mm-hmm. as well in the rest, in the MCU. There's some really like, you know, there's a terrorist bombing in one of the movies, like as an example, there's some pretty dark themes that happen even in affinity war is an example but you still mix in this amazing optimism and that's exactly what you get with spider-man as a character Mm. how is he staying so optimistic despite the fact that there's so much darkness around him but in in the case of morpheus and venom it's like darkness and that's it yeah venom venom i feel like is a little bit more lighthearted. um a little bit yeah i think the issue with with venom is like it still seemed like a dark movie because the comedy that they were going for was just not funny <laughs> like, like, like not to be funny, yeah, police. Like, it just I feel like they tried to make it a little bit more lighthearted, but it's still just so I don't even know. I just feel like it's cringy. Like it's just not. It's literally just not funny. Uh, uh, like I hate to be that guy. If you laughed at the Venom movie, I just should seriously reconsider your sense of humor. Is all I'm saying. So you are the funny police. Not to be the funny police, but I am literally the funny police, guys. I am literally the funny police right now, dude. Man. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's confusing to me though, Simon, because like I, like why didn't wouldn't they bring in a character like Mind Goblin? Who? Mind Goblin, these nuts. Ah <laughs> I didn't see that coming. That was good. Ah, uh, thank you. Thank you. That was actually really good and completely related to this. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you wrote this, you read through the, the document, and you're like, where can I <laughs> reference these nuts? Or you just have so many these nuts puns that like you literally, any circumstance would work. Mm-hmm. I got quite a few. I guess we'll find out as this mm-hmm. episode continues. But uh, but yeah, well done. That was well done. That was well done. This, is, this joke has gone from awful, I feel like, to okay. Thanks. To okay. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, not to be the funny police, but anyway. <laughs> Number two, as followed by publication, The Hollywood Reporter, AMC's The Walking Dead star, Melissa McBride, has dropped out of her The Walking Dead Daryl and Carol-centered spinoff series. McBride has played Carol since season one of the mainline The Walking Dead series. She reportedly signed a multi-year $20 million deal in 2018 that would see her potentially star across AMC's The Walking Dead universe for at least three years. Network AMC issued a statement about this revelation claiming, quote, Melissa McBride has given life to one of the most interesting, real, human, and popular characters in the Walking Dead universe. Unfortunately, she is no longer able to participate in the previously announced spinoff focused on the Daryl Dixon and Carol Pelletier characters, which will be set and filmed in Europe this summer and premiere next year. Relocating to Europe became logistically untenable for Melissa at this time. 
We know fans will be disappointed by this news, but the Walking Dead universe continues to grow and expand in interesting ways, and we very much hope to see Carol again in the near future, unquote. Although the main line, The Walking Dead show, is ending after season 11, AMC still has many more series and potentially movies in the works. More specifically, the spin-off series, Fear of the Walking Dead, is well into its seventh season at this point, and a Negan Maggie New York spin-off series was recently announced for a 2023 premiere date. Adrian, what do you make of this news that Carol, played by Melissa McBride, will not be in the Carol and Daryl spinoff series? Thoughts? Uh, yeah, man. It, I, I feel like uh, this kind of sucks. It's it, it sucks for a couple of reasons. Because honestly, I think Carol and Daryl have an awesome relationship. I think um, Melissa McBride and... Um, Norman Reedus have really great on-screen chemistry. So I would I would like a spin-off show and you know of them together and, and we get to see their relationship continue to develop. And another big disappointment about this is that we've talked about Walking Dead a couple times on this and I I've mentioned how I feel like they need to you know expand, move out of America. And I I didn't realize that this spin-off show was going to take place in Europe. Oh, there's my uh clock again. Um, that it was going to take place. In Maybe Europe. it wasn't initially. Oh, it's possible. Yeah. And so it's, it's double disappointing because now it's like, man, we were about to get a show where it was going to take place in Europe. And now we might not, unless they just move forward with just Norman Reedus. But, uh, I don't know how they're going to kind of fix that. I imagine they've probably filmed all of season 11 or, or are getting to it. They probably wrote an out for these two characters to like go on a journey to Europe. So what are they just going to kill Carol off randomly? Like uh, in the background, are they good? Like what, what are they going to do to kind of write the ship? Um, no pun well, intended. I mean, it says it in the quote, like she's not being killed off. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess so. Like she, yeah, she'll, she'll come back. She's going to be in a future season. And it also says it in the quote in that they're continuing with this series, despite the fact that uh, Melissa McBride will not be in it. Yeah. I made a, a bit of a joke saying like it's a Carol and Daryl spinoff because it's clearly not a Carol and Daryl spinoff, an, a spinoff mm. anymore. So I wouldn't say it's maybe double disappointing because you didn't know it was in Europe and now it is. But now it's just the Daryl series that's taking place in Europe as opposed to a Carol and Daryl series, which is taking place in wherever in the US, which yeah. is what we thought initially. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right, you're right. But it, it, uh, so, I mean, if it's still going to take place in Europe, then cool. We're we're going to get that show there. Um, but I don't know. I, I, yeah, which is cool because you called it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a neat thing. You called this like many episodes ago. You're like, you know what we need? We need The Walking Dead in Europe. What are they doing? This is a small. What did you call it? Small world syndrome or something like that? Like uh, the Star Wars small universe syndrome? Yeah, tiny universe syndrome, <laughs> small universe syndrome. Everything's in the U.S. Yeah, this is like why is everything taking place in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Star Wars, all that takes place in the United States, it's weird. Um, yeah, it's super weird. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little bit disappointing uh, knowing that this is this is happening, and I wonder. I mean, because it says that like Melissa McBride moving to Europe was unattainable, right? Um, untenable. Sorry, untenable. Um, and, and I'm curious as to why, because like she's gonna like she signed. A twenty million dollar deal in twenty eighteen. You know what I mean? Like they they're probably going to pay her so well. I'm I'm curious what's kind of holding her back. Um, and you know, family. Yeah, I guess so. But who needs family when you have money, Simon? It's one of those things. Like, um, 
there was I think it was uh, Lord of the Rings. Somebody skipped out on Lord of the Rings. There was a couple actors that said that uh, because they didn't want to move to New Zealand for there were like they were filming all the movies at once, right? Mm-hmm. So they they passed up on this crazy opportunity because they didn't want to move to New Zealand for whatever a year or whatever. And so that's probably what's happening here. She probably has a family and she doesn't want to be apart from her family for like a year to film this series. Yeah. I'm guessing. That's my guess, but Yeah. And again, I don't think this is meant to be a limited series, is it? Like it's it's going to be an ongoing series, so it potentially it would be way longer, so I guess I should kind of take that into consideration. Yeah, like it's just, I don't know, it's an occupation. It's like imagine your your job suddenly took you away from everything. Well, you might want to move to Europe. I don't know. But if they're paying me $20 million, I'm moving anywhere, man. Well, keep in mind, this is $20 million over the last th- over three years from 2018. So I don't know if this job, this, and I tried to specify this in this mm. write-up, but we don't know if this, uh, how, how much her deal might have been re-upped. I think they didn't want to tell us how much her new deal might be if they re-upped the deal. Because 2018, three years from 2018 is 2021. So that deal would have expired. Yeah. Um, they they mentioned it in the Hollywood Reporter article specifically that she had this deal initially. It was And they called it like a um, unprecedented deal or something like that. That Norman Reedus signed a similar one as well because they're such popular characters. It was unprecedented for TV, like a TV landscape because they're – they signed it not just for The Walking Dead season, whatever, 9, 10, 11, but they signed it actually for um, starring in this universe as a whole. So they could place Carol and Daryl in any of these different shows, whether it be Fear the Walking Dead or the Negan and Maggie series or their own mm-hmm. spinoff, and they would get paid the same kind of static amount that just would have – it's kind of cool because it's like almost going to a day job. Yeah. They have this like – they know they're going to work – and they're going to get paid, which is a really cool deal, honestly, because actors, that's one of those things that a lot of actors talk about is that they don't know what their next job might be. Like there's like a question like, oh, man, am I going to get am I going to get paid for this next year? Like, what am I going to be on a show? Am I going to be an extra? Like, I need to get money. So there's that kind of question. And I mean, I haven't seen Melissa McBride on too many other things. So that must have been a pretty cool deal for her. Mm-hmm. Although um, she's a pretty cool character and she does a really good job as Carol. So she really does. I imagine she might have been. There would have been other people like kind of lined up to say, hey, you want to be on our show? Law and Order. SVU. Let's fight Let's fight the bad guys or yeah. whatever the new <laughs> Law and Order spinoff might be. Um, yeah, I saw a, an image today, real real quick aside about Law and Order. Um, like it's like a, a still from Law and Order SVU where they go to like a baseball game or whatever. And like their baseball yeah. team, like their shirt, it just says sex crimes on it. <laughs> and like what? cursives because there's like the special victims unit. <laughs> like they focus on like sex crimes and stuff. So it's just like this, you know, like blue, like baseball shirt whatever they wear at, in baseball and it just says sex crimes <laughs> in like fancy like italics font it's funny it, is that actually a real still or did somebody yeah. like photoshop no way yeah why wouldn't they just write svu on it it's literally the know. name of the show it makes sense special victims unit why, why would they write sex crimes it's so silly well i got news for you <laughs> yes the news they wrote sex crimes on the shirt yeah that's oh, it. okay, yeah. okay, cool, thanks, man. But yeah, I don't know. I um, this is a weird story, but it makes sense again if you were needing to relocate. But mm-hmm. sorry, I, I didn't finish my thought there. The reason why they probably didn't talk about the extension of her deal is likely because 
they realized that they spoiled their show. I feel like that that was a thing that was publicized in this. I think it was the Hollywood Reporter article. They literally said like by announcing the Carol and Daryl series, they literally spoiled The Walking Dead season 10 or 11. Because when they announced this, like people were like, well, I guess they won't die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. But then they kind of did it again with Negan and Maggie. So I guess they didn't like learn their lesson. But if mm-hmm. you re-up a deal and then announce it to the public, you're obviously like, oh, they're, they're in a four-year deal. So you probably don't want to do that. So that's that's my guess as to why we don't know what their new deal is. Like yeah. Norman Reedus and, and uh, uh, Melissa McBride. But I, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with this? But it, it is interesting. And apparently, I don't know if you saw this, but there was like this like what um, Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Bean Borgen said mm-hmm. on on Twitter or and social media. He was claiming that fans were being toxic about this. Did you see that? There were a lot of people oh, were no. blaming Norman Reedus. Oh, you didn't see it? No. It's crazy because like apparently people are blaming Norman Reedus because Norman Reedus wanted to have the season in Europe. I think he's got family there or something like that, and that that's so so like they they're claiming that he had like a, he completely made AMC film this in Europe or something stupid, and so they're uh. like, oh, Norman Reedus is a dick or something. It's like really, I don't know, like I don't know, and then, so he was calling to- fans out specifically for being toxic or whatever. Um, Meffrey mean Morgan Oregon. So, uh, who's the actor who plays Negan, of course. Yeah. In the, the walking dead series. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of stupid. I mean, like first, and, and so Jeffrey Dean, uh, Dorgan's like his, th- the thing he was pointing out in his post, like on social media to stop people from being toxic on social media was basically to say that like actors don't have any pull. They don't get to the side. <laughs> what this what this like multi-million dollar studio is gonna do like they're not gonna like say hey like we're gonna like i'm pretty sure the studio would not do it in europe if they could have daryl and carol because that the, the, i think i don't know if you said this already but you've said it definitely in episodes past the great thing about a daryl and carol series is that they have such good chemistry on screen mm-hmm. yeah and melissa mcbride and norman reedus like do a great job playing off of each other it's it's the it's one of the highlights of the walking dead series over the last pretty much all the seasons Mm-hmm. Um, seeing them together is magic in a, in a way and uh, their friendship is really fun to watch and that's what's so good about it so like i think they would just not do it this particular show in europe if they thought that that would have if carol wouldn't have been in it yeah i think but uh maybe they just didn't foresee the circumstance i imagine norman reedus might not have wanted to do it all either like i i, I don't know who knows? There's so many different things, but like for fans to just assume that's, a, I don't know, people are always presumptuous. Whenever I read through comments on Twitter or Facebook, on Instagram, whether it be about like politics or about COVID or about a TV show, it's so shocking sometimes, like people's naivety, I feel like. Like I'll read uh, uh, today, actually, on a Facebook, somebody posted something. It was like literally an article from We Got This Covered. And they're like, uh. it was about like, I think it was about like Henry Cavill fans wanting henry cavill to reprise his role as superman and i'm like dude like are you really commenting on a we got this covered article i I was like come on so ridiculous if you don't know what we got this covered as audience it's a it's a website that just doesn't have anything covered (laughs) they got nothing covered on we got this covered they got you know what they have covered lies fake things lies (laughs) basically fibs yeah Sometimes they have real things, but that's that's what you know. That's what's uh, yeah. that's what's compelling about lies. You gotta have a little bit of truth in lies, and that's how people believe it. Yeah, they'll, they'll, you have a little bit of truth. Yeah, they're gonna just they, enough truth. They have like a like an article in like Walking Dead 
introducing dragons question mark yeah and you click on it and then right like and then you're gonna be like yeah oh my god walking dead's dragon d's nuts over your face oh adrian how long was that walk how long Uh, were you working on that uh for about the entire episode i've been thinking about it (laughs) well it can be the entire episode because i feel like we you just did the other reference but Mm mm-hmm it was a long walk though to get there i must say like it was pretty extreme i'm like dragons why dragons like that's very specific but i mean it could just be adrian being random and i was like no it isn't no it isn't he was just being clever again and now this joke is becoming good i think i'm glad but um they call me the uh funny police as i said before adrian time to move on to story number three i think okay number three as deadline reports Roku has made a licensing deal with film distributor Lionsgate Films to exclusively host Lionsgate movies on ad-based streaming service, the Roku channel. Lionsgate's upcoming film slate includes movies like the Keanu Reeves starring John Wick 4, the Kate Blanchett starring Borderlands movie, and Sylvester Stallone's Expendables 4. Wow. Otherwise known as Expendables. Expendables. Fridables. And, and that's not a lie. And furbles. For whatever reason, they they put they swapped out the A for a four in the title. It's like fan fantastic or whatever. <laughs> yep, yeah, uh, it's fan fan fortastic. It's fan forstic. It's fan forstic. Fan forstic. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, specifically, there are two windows in which the Roku channel will be a Lionsgate movie streaming partner. Once a Lionsgate film has completed its theatrical run, the movie will land on the Stars streaming service. Afterwards, these movies will land on the Roku channel exclusively. At some point after that, Roku will have a non-exclusive streaming window in which other streaming platforms will also host movies like John Wick 4 concurrently. Launched in 2017, the Roku channel now has over 60 million active users, 275 live linear TV channels, and more than 80,000 individual pieces of film and TV content. Adrian, what do you make of this The Roku Channel deal? With Lionsgate. I find this very odd, man, because I, I keep on forgetting about the Roku channel even existing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we bring it up, you know, every like 10, 15 episodes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're a thing. Like we brought up, you know, when Quibi, Quick Bites, watch out, watch out, when uh, Quick Bites closed down and like Roku picked up all the content and they put it on that streaming service. Then, you know, they're making that Weird Al Yankovic, Yankovic, Yankovic. Weird Al Yankovic um, movie with uh, um, Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe. That's yeah, Daniel so Radcliffe. exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that, that actually looks really good. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited for that. I saw an interview with Radcliffe, and that, he just kind of hyped it even more for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite excited for that as well. And then now, making this deal with Lionsgate, it, it feels like Roku's really just trying to, you know, put themselves at the forefront. And the... Roku's free. Like it's it's another one of these free streaming services that I think are, you know, funded by advertisements. Um here in Canada, you have to have a Roku stick to access it. But I think in the States, you can just download like the Roku channel app. So this is just a a very interesting move. And I think it's a smart play by Roku. And uh, I've said this many a times. I feel like it's been a common theme for the past little bit that the more free content is always better. Um, I'm not saying like, Hey, like, look what like Netflix is doing with a fucking, um, ad tier that they're going to be launching or whatever, uh, or that they're considering launching where it's just cheaper. Like, no, like this shit's free. 
you got to watch ads, but it is free. If you have a Roku device, which is like $40, you can go to Best Buy and buy a $40 Roku stick and plug it into your TV. And now you have access to all of these, you know, pieces of content, movies, TV shows, all that sort of stuff. And Lionsgate, again, they're coming out with big movies. We just talked about the Borderlands movie having like an like amazing people attached to it. And obviously the, the John Wick movies are awesome. I imagine John Wick 4 is going to be the same. Like, I think this is a really good get and it's it's a positive sort of um a move for you know maybe people that can't necessarily afford multiple streaming services and now you just get a bunch of free content to you um for a again very cheap buy-in here in canada at least and then again in the states i think you can just get the roku channel app on like your phone so i don't know i i, I really like this I'm i'm liking how we're getting more and more of these streaming services that are getting better quality content for a very low entry price. And uh, I find this kind of neat. What do you think? Yeah, it's neat. It's neat. It's neat. Yeah. The Roku channel seems to be pretty popular. Like 60 million active users is not bad. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's cool. Like, I, I don't know. It's um the free content thing is interesting because I don't love ads um, in between content like if i'm watching a movie as an example like if i'm going to watch that uh daniel radcliffe starring weird al movie mm-hmm. it'll kind of be annoying to have ads in between but i guess i watched tv movies in the past it's not terrible it's interesting i i find it more egregious and i think this is why you pointed it out when disney plus is going to do their tier like mm-hmm. their ad tier and the netflix ad tier uh options to subscribe you're not subscribing i guess you're just basically signing up and watching the ad tier which i i'd argue is going to be free but maybe it's not maybe it's going to be like quibi where quibi had ad supported subscriber tiers which is yeah which is ridiculous i have a weird feeling that that's going to happen with netflix and disney plus i'm not sure oh but- dude 100 i i guarantee you that both netflix and disney plus are going to charge for their ad base like ad tier uh, which is awful which yeah which Honestly, and this is the biggest problem with this, and we said this many episodes back, the issue with doing that is as soon as you do that, you can just make your other streaming tiers more expensive. And I feel like that that's the strategy then at that point. Making a completely free tier, that wouldn't be so bad. But again, I think then you can make your – you can kind of get really egregious with the ads, like how many ads you have, and then you can really make the – paid tiers more expensive. So I, I don't know. This is the problem is that, is this the strategy so you can just make your other tiers more pricey? Yeah. I don't know. It's a different landscape now. There's so many like Netflix reporting that they kind of had a loss of subscribers shook the industry like quite a bit mm-hmm. like the other week. When that happened, people were like, whoa, the bubbles burst. Suddenly we realized that this is not like creating this much content um, eventually is is not seeing growth in subscribers and then that's point then it makes it pointless for us to continue to spend billions of dollars like something's got to give eventually so it's, it's kind of yeah. i don't know it's it's an interesting situation the roku roku channel is kind of doing a different strategy and that they're only really doing ad supported content kind of like yeah. crackle from sony oh yeah back at crackle i wonder if that's is that still going i think it is going i don't know um, good question. I, I, I'm going to do a quick search right now on the App Store, the Apple App Store, to see if Crackle's there. But uh, I don't know. I, I remember being on the brought on in the break room at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, no, I don't see Crackle anymore. Fair enough. The Crackle got shut down? Maybe. 
Just doing a quick search. Let's see. Bum, bum, bum. Sony shuts down Crackle in Canada. They did it in 2018. Oh, damn. Okay. Shows how uh, much we've been paying attention to that. You know, well, we weren't doing a podcast in 2018. That's true. So if something like that happens again, we'll know. Uh, you know who used to use Crackle all the time? No, no. Who? Our uh, former, or not former, our uh, consistent writer in her, Ken. Oh. Yeah. Kendi's nuts fit in your mouth, Simon. <laughs> I got you again. Uh, oh my God. You just use Ken's name in vain. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, I love you, Ken. Anyway. But um, real quick, uh, on, on the Netflix note, uh, like how, yeah, like if they add a paid uh, ad-based tier, um, they can just increase the pricing of the other tier. I think Netflix is kind of working in the reverse. They've already increased the pricing uh, by such an exponential amount over the past like few years. I wouldn't be surprised if they launch this ad-based tier and it's going to be just what Netflix costed like four years ago. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be like $14 a month or something like that. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw that. Yeah, it's um, terrible. Yeah. That's very possible. Like Netflix is going the wrong direction in all the wrong ways. Like we, we've said this before, like we said this last week, I think it was specifically what we talked about is that they're doing these weird things where like they not only increase the price, but now they're going to crack down on people who are sharing passwords across households. Like, like they're, they're doing both things at the same time. It's like you increase the price. That's why you, <laughs> that's why you've lost users. You're also like, it's almost like an excuse too, because they shut down 700,000 accounts really in, in Russia. And then they lost 700,000 users there. And then they kind of blamed, they kind of blamed the situation on the fact that people are sharing account passwords. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it just seems uncool. It just seems like an uncool. I know that's not exactly what they did. It's not exactly what they correlated but it seemed almost like that based on all the articles I wrote, I read about this. And so mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, uh, man, Netflix used to be the cool cat on the street. You know what I'm saying? There used to be the ones like, oh, we're the cool kids. We're going up against Blockbuster Video. We're mm-hmm. the cool ones. We let you, sh- uh, you know, share your password. We got so much content. We're the reason why we're so popular is because we're honestly giving you a great price for great content. Now yeah. they're just costing. Like when you get all these streaming services, like you're going to become there's just becoming more than cable ever cost. And it's because they're beholden to the shareholders. They had to do, they have to do something mm-hmm. because they're just beholden to exactly what the shareholders really tell them to do, which is make a profit more than last year, every year, basically. Yeah. But it's like, yikes. That That's, it's an untenable situation. Adrian is what it is. It is. So yeah. Netflix has to be like cool. You, you know, you, you know what has like a cool, like social media presence. And I feel like is viewed positively especially on twitter wendy's yeah wendy's nuts fit in your mouth simon <laughs> oh my god you actually <laughs> you actually got me that was wild that was really good damn that was really good damn it wow uh, yeah i had to think about that for a second because i was like did i even say the right one and it was exactly the exactly the the chain the the fast food chain you were thinking of mm-hmm. and wow wow incredible anyway adrian it's now time to move on to the montage a sequence of our show in which i briefly present 10 of the week's smaller news stories as adrian delivers a brisk verdict 
Number one, as reported by publication Variety, the Greta Gerwig-directed Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, and Will Ferrell-starring Barbie movie is set to release on July 21st, 2023, on the same date as director Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer film. God damn it. Now we'll have to choose double feature day. Double feature, baby. Me and you, double feature. We're doing it. I don't care. No take backs. <laughs> Is it God damn it? Or I really love this. I couldn't really tell from your tone. <laughs> it was God damn it because I was like, now I have to choose. And then I realized I don't because I can just watch both of these on the same day. Hmm. Number two, as website Collider reports, Illumination Entertainment's Chris Pratt and Charlie Day starring Super Mario Brothers animated movie has been delayed from its December 21st, 2022 release date to a new April 28th, 2023 release date instead. The way they announced this was super weird because it was on the Nintendo of America uh Twitter page and it was like, hi, Miyamoto here. Um, and then it was like, we're pushing this back because a bad movie is always going to be a bad movie, but a delayed movie can be a good movie or whatever the quote is about video games that he said many moons ago. And it, I don't even know if it was Miyamoto that said that. It's an inside baseball thing. Don't worry about it. Let's continue. Did he actually write that on Twitter though? He didn't say that exact phrase. No, but he did. He, it, he didn't quote it. Yeah, no, he didn't say that. I did, I did not say that verbatim at all or even reference. I don't even think he referenced it. Oh, okay. He just said that, hey, we're pushing this back to make it perfect or something like that. Ah, but Chris Pratt, he's so cool. <laughs> he is so cool. Number three, as Variety reports, director James Cameron's long-awaited second Avatar film is set to be called Avatar The Way of Water and is scheduled for release on December 16th, 2022. The Way of Water's first trailer will debut in theaters during showtimes for Disney Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness after it premieres on May 5th, 2022. Cool. I really, I just, again, I just can't, I don't care about Avatar. Cool like Chris Pratt. Number four, as Variety reports, after party season one actors, Sam Richardson and Zoe Chow are set to reprise their roles in the Tiffany Haddish starring Apple TV plus murder mystery comedy series after party season two. Oh, oh dude, we didn't even reference it. Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz, or however you pronounce his last name from after party. were also together in the unbearable weight of massive talent. Number five, as noted by publication, the Hollywood Reporter, The Birdman, Oscar-winning director Alejandro G. Inarritu's next film is called Bardo False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths and has been purchased by Netflix for a potential fall 2022 premiere. As Netflix executive Scott Stuber specifies, Inarritu's new film will get a theatrical release on top of its Netflix streaming debut. Cool beans. Possibly going to be an Oscar nod thing. They want to make it for Oscars. Number six, as Variety reports, Chernobyl director Johan Rank has been hired on by Warner Brothers to direct the first two episodes of HBO Max's Benny Gesserit centered Dune prequel TV series, Dune The Sisterhood. Cool beans. I'm excited. I'll probably watch it. Number seven, as Variety reports, Network The CW has canceled both the DC Legends of Tomorrow TV series after seven seasons and the DC based Batwoman series after three seasons. Wow. Number eight, as Deadline reports, streamer Netflix has canceled the Steve Carell, John Malkovich starring comedy series Space Force after two seasons. Oh, that's too bad. I never watched it. Did you watch the second season? I know you watched the first one. I did. Yeah. You sat? Uh, it was okay. Oh, fair enough. It was very good at times. It was okay at others. Number nine. As reported by Variety, Disney has swapped the release dates for the upcoming 2023 Marvel Studios films, The Marvels and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, because production is currently further along for Ant-Man 3. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania will now premiere on February 17th, 2023, while The Marvels will debut in theaters on July 28th. 
2023. Oh, interesting. I wonder. I wonder if we're going to get a second season of Loki before the Ant-Man movie, because I think those series is the series is going to be slightly connected to Quantumania because of a specific character that was revealed in Loki. Number 10 as Variety reports. Longtime Fast and Furious director Justin Lin has dropped out of the 10th installment of the Fast and Furious franchise to be called Fast 10 citing creative differences. I want to get back to this one once we finish the montage. And a bonus, number 11. As reported by Variety, Amazon recently valued their purchase of MGM Studios as a $3.4 billion asset through an official financial filing, despite having just purchased the legendary studio's content library for $8.5 billion. Ooh, they overpaid. They overpaid. In a second bonus, number 12. Two bonuses. As reported by Deadline, Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts has dropped out of directing the Marvel Studios' Fantastic Four movie. John Watts was hired on as director of the Fantastic Four reboot in 2019, but has since decided that he needs a break from directing superhero films. That's totally fair, man. He he did three Spider-Man movies within six years, and they were awesome, so can't really hold it against them. And that concludes... The montage. Wah, 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 montage. Anyways, Simon, I I mentioned uh, for the 10th story about Justin Lin dropping out of the 10th installment of the Fast and Furious franchise, how I wanted to get back to that. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to get back to that is because I don't know if you saw saw on Twitter. um, It was posted by, I think, Vin Diesel on Instagram. um, (laughs) Where it's like him, like with Justin Lin in the background. And it it literally seems like Justin Lin is like being held at gunpoint in this thing. <laughs> I I, I kind of want to play. Can I play the the audio? Because I feel like it still sounds good. I'm gonna play the audio. Okay. What do you think, Justin? Week one. Just finish week one. How does it feel? It feels like the beginning of uh, of an epic ending. <laughs> is it fair to say that this will be the best one? my heart yes i feel like you need to see it though because i feel like the clip though it it does justice because the the expression on his face is kind of everything yeah um but i I can you can tell in his voice a little bit that he's not super interested so again they started filming this this movie this already started the production process Mm -hmm. it was like started on april 20th i believe and then like a week later like that that clip came out actually they released that that thing and then a few days later Justin Lin drops out and it's uh, I feel like not a big surprise because of his expression yeah but I think he just wants to do something else like actually maybe like John Watts mm-hmm. kind of thing you know what I mean John Watts drops out of the Fantastic Four movie because he made three really good Spider like Spider Man movies or superhero movies and he kind of yeah. wants to do something else although he is doing something else um but I think he wants to take a break for a little while mm-hmm. but he is doing that um. There's like a, I think it's a Brad Pitt, George Clooney movie that he's doing, oh. which I'm kind of excited for. We talked about it many weeks ago, but anyways, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have anything else to say with the Justin Lin thing, but that was, uh, yeah, kind of shocking. It's pretty rare you see somebody drop out after production has already started Yeah, for creative differences, especially like, okay, it's weird. It is definitely weird. And it's, it's interesting because again, yeah, production started now. Production is probably going to be put on hold, right? And yeah, there are. Estimating it's like going to cost like millions of dollars a day or something until they can find a replacement. Which is nuts. And, you know, they brought in um, Brie Larson, right, for this this new movie. 
And obviously she is connected to the MCU and the MCU train needs to keep rolling. Although uh, the Marvels was delayed. Like how long can Brie Larson be held back on Paramount? Uh, like with, uh, it's not, is it Paramount? doesn't really matter uh with the fast franchise um before having to just leave being like hey no i gotta do the the mcu movie that is definitely way more important to me i imagine um so maybe they'll have to like recast her there's a lot of factors that kind of come into play about this and i just thought it was a little interesting yeah it's weird like he he's done a lot of these fast and furious movies too like he's kind of like he did the last five no uh i don't know if it was the last Five. He started with like Fast and Furious in 2009. So I think he did the first one, didn't he? I don't know because the naming is so weird for this series. So no, the Fast and Furious is the fourth one because Fast and Furious is the first one. Yeah. Is 2009 the first one though? Because it's just Fast and Furious. There's no the the in the front. Oh, okay. So no, Fast and Furious. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let me just check. He also did the Fast and Furious. So no, fa- the Fast and Furious. No, wait, hold on. The Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift is is in 2006. So definitely Fast and Furious is not the first one. What, what a dumbass name. I've said this before <laughs> and I'll say it again. This is the dumbest naming structure in any movie series ever. Yeah. What a dumbass. Like, Fast and Furious, how is that 2009? So what's the first one then? Uh, the first one is 2001, which is the Fast and Furious. Oh, so it, okay. Did you mix and that up or did you just say that? Sorry. I mixed it up initially, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Just making sure I didn't misunderstand you. And then the second one is... Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, pretty dumb. Then we got Tokyo Drift, um, and then maybe Fast and Furious, which is the fourth one, or it's the fifth one. I think they really missed an opportunity with Fast and Your Seatbelts, but... Mm -hmm. That's the tagline of the movie. Is it actually? I think so, yeah. Okay. It's like Fast and Your Seatbelts. I don't think they like differentiated the Fast 10, but I think they're just calling it, yeah, Fast and Your Seatbelts. I'm pretty sure he's done one two three four five maybe i'm wrong but it looks like he was about to do six like the sixth okay yeah sixth movie from from the series yeah i don't know I, i'm curious like if more will come out about that story to like to tell us why he dropped out exactly but anyway it's probably vin diesel like it's probably him butting heads with vin diesel um vin diesel i i know it's just like isn't he like notoriously a little bit more difficult to work with you know there's even like the feud between him and the rock and like how like which is weird because like, like the rock seems like a pretty nice guy generally yeah. i don't know i don't know we can't know for sure with any of these these gentlemen but yeah there's that like post that vin diesel put on like instagram about the rock he's like hey the rock my younger brother or whatever he's like you should come back to this franchise or whatever the fuck for these last movies and the rock's like nah not gonna happen <laughs> yeah well they had a huge feud on social media for like years yeah i don't know it seems a little silly but even then like if okay let's say it's been diesel's fault like he did five movies justin led did already five movies so like mm-hmm. you think he would have butted heads with him before possibly i don't know maybe it's just uh yeah i don't know burnout it's interesting no pun intended i guess no pun was intended Bur- like burnout like pun was intended like how cars burn out a car's burning out the we- wheels or like the famous playstation series burnout is that a playstation that's nah, a whatever console game yeah it's a racing game which you crash cars i love burnout that's a fun series it is pretty fun anyway let's move on adrian what do you got for me my friend what do you got for me i got new releases for you simon oh <laughs> i understood that reference yeah you were you were vin diesel from mere moments ago when i played it I, yeah, yeah. It, it, indeed 
<laughs> Anyways, uh, this is for the week of May 2nd to May 8th, Simon. That's a Monday to a Sunday, as per usual. The first movie coming out is coming out on Tuesday, May 3rd, and it's a movie called Hold Your Breath, The Ice Dive, which is a Netflix original documentary following free diver Johanna Nordblood trying to break the world record of longest distance traveled under ice with one breath. I feel like you got both her first name and last name wrong, but definitely. I don't know. I think it's Johanna Nordblad, but I could be wrong also. I wish her name was like Candace. <laughs> Just Candace. Candace nuts fit in your mouth. <laughs> oh my God. How did I keep fall? How do I keep falling for this? This is amazing. Okay. What's the next movie coming out? Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the rest of the movies are coming out on Friday, May 6th. There's not too many movies this year, or this year, this week. Uh, there's definitely a lot this year, but this week. Anyways. Yeah. For sure. Along for the ride is the first one. This is a Netflix original movie about two teens enjoying their last summer together before heading out to college. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Marmaduke is up next, which is a Netflix original animated adventure starring Pete Davidson and J.K. Simmons. Oh, wow. Mm, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Um, The Takedown is up next, which is a Netflix original movie about... Oh, I wrote two, but T-O, not T-O-O, T-W-O, T-O. About two polar opposite cops being paired together on a big case, Simon. Okay. Yeah. It's a buddy cop movie where they butt heads. It's true, because they're polar opposites. Hmm. Yeah. They're actually polar bears, believe it or not. They're also polar bears. Mm -hmm. Is this an animated movie? Nope. They trained real polar bears for this film. It's true. And they're cops. They're cops. They're polar. So it's not like the ridiculousness of like the movie. Have you ever watched the Disney movie, The Country Bears? No. I I went back to that recently to take a look at it because I was like, I remember this as a kid. This was really good. And I went to, I don't know if I was just a really good. My sister really liked it, but I was like, this is okay. And so when I looked at it, it frightened me. It could frighten me now, like as an adult. I'm like, what was I watching? This is very frightening uh, animatronics or whatever the shit it is. Mm. It's quite, uh, yeah. 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 Doesn't, uh, doesn't, they don't look like bears. They look like, uh, they look like bears, but they're, goats. they're very deformed. Oh. Did you say goats? Yeah. No. Fair enough. But anyways, yeah, there are not polar bears in the movie, Adrian. Don't try to fool me. I'm not, I'm no, I'm no, uh, I'm no fool. What's the next movie coming out? Thar. It's a Netflix original Hindi Western thriller, Simon. Thar is. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Next up is The Ravine. This is confirmed by Movie Insider on the Apple TV app. It's a video on demand movie about a small community that gets hit with a crime so gruesome, so unbelievable that Everyone begins to rethink their relationships with everyone else in this small community, Simon. Because they're like, no. Could this guy be the murderer? Could this gal be the murderer? No. Could this non-binary human being be the murderer? It's all possible. It is. Anyways, up next is a movie called Glimpse. This is confirmed by Movie Insider in the Apple TV app. It's a video on demand movie about a group of employees in the corporate world that find out they're being spied on by an oligarch. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, SpaghettiO indeed, Simon. Bringing it back, baby. We talked about spaghetti earlier on in this episode, and I'm bringing it back. Um, Continue. That was so 
stupid. Oh my god. I w- it is pretty dumb. That was the dumbest thing I've ever said, I think. Um no, actually in general or just on this podcast? <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe just this uh, maybe this episode. Okay. Yeah. Wuhan Wuhan is the next movie coming up and it's confirmed by Movie Insider in the Apple TV app. It's a video on demand documentary following the early stages of COVID in Wuhan. Hmm. Doesn't seem like it would be a fun watch. I'm going to be honest with you. Hmm. Hmm. I watched the trailer and I uh I felt sad for a solid 15 minutes after. So don't watch the trailer. Hmm. If you don't want to feel sad or do wait yeah, watch the trailer if you want to feel sad, but don't watch it if you don't want to feel sad. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, cool. The Twin is up next. This is confirmed by Movie Insider. Nope. I dig- I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to go backwards. Okay. okay. This is confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.thehypenumbers.com and the Apple TV app. It's a video on demand horror film. Wait, wait, but- what? What did you take a step back? Because I said Movie Insider. But it's not Movie Insider, Simon. This was confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com, instead of Movie Insider. Okay. It sounded like you said that the twin didn't come out and you were going to move to a different movie that was going to come out first. Oh, no, 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 like, no, no, no. You were so aggressive with like the, nope. Like, I'm like, oh, you frightened me. I jumped a little bit in my chair. I'm sorry. Uh, so the twin is coming out to theaters. On, no. Uh, Video on demand, Simon. Oh, it's not coming out to theaters at all. I yeah. understand. It's a video on demand movie. You're very particular today with the accuracy of this mm-hmm. segment. Not saying and you're not normally accurate, but he's not. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying. I'm not. And anyways, The Twin is a horror film about a family that loses one of their twin sons in a tragic accident, only to be haunted Ooh. by evil trying to take the other son. Mm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, you think it's cool that they lost one of their twin sons in a tragic accident? No, no, I'm just saying that the movie's cool. You think it's cool losing a child? No, I'm just saying- I don't think it's cool, Simon. Cool that- I think it's- No, I'm just saying that the- Pretty bad, actually. Yes, I'm just saying that that movie coming out is cool. That's fair. Okay, I'm going to continue. Suicide for Beginners is up next. It's confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com and the Apple TV app. This is a video-on-demand movie about an awkward boy turned serial killer- who attempts to write a suicide note out for his next victim. Oh, wow. Who happens to be his crush. Oh. What a plot twist. It's dark. Yeah. And then the final movie coming out this week, Simon, is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, directed by Sam Raimi. It's coming to theaters, baby. We're watching it. Tickets purchased. We're watching it on Thursday evening. I'm excited for this. Yeah. I'm excited for this. Me too. Cool. Me too. One thing we didn't talk about, and we're not going to really talk about it too much, is the Moon Knight episode four, which was Ooh, just episode five. So good. Yeah. Episode five. Yes, my mistake. Yeah, it episode was brilliant. four was also very good, but episode five is amazing. Episode four and five of Moon Knight, real good, are unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know what I think, Adrian? You know what I'm thinking about when I think about how good those episodes are? That they're gonna. Uh, trip and break their neck in that last episode and it won't be a good finish there's a question of how they're going to complete it yeah and i uh i think you had that same probably that same thought after the Mm -hmm. after the show ended this yeah this episode was so good and i was like there is literally one episode left what how are they gonna finish this off are they gonna finish it and be like hey cliffhanger there's a moon night movie coming out or there's a moon night season two coming out because i don't know how you wrap everything up in 40 minutes or however long this next episode's going to be. But alas. Mm. I don't know. I feel like it might just be a uh, 
I dare say it. I uh, I don't want to think it, but I feel like the WandaVision series. Yeah, but the difference between WandaVision and this series is that WandaVision was good from the start to until that last episode, I would argue. And so was this. Mm. So was this. There's one episode that they faltered. And now we argue that's episode three, but everything else, like it's not really that big of a falter. They didn't stumble and like, you know, lose the plot. Like they they were fine. It's just, it was very strange. Like the writing was like a little bit weird and obtuse. But then again, I feel like the rest of the, the next two episodes kind of retroactively made episode three better. That's what's so interesting about it. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, um, I feel like we didn't, I don't know. I think you didn't give it a fair shake for sure. I, I think that that, that's this series so far. I, if I'm going to be so bold, I think it arguably is the best Marvel series <gasps> so far. Gasp. If we're going to say so far, but the problem is, is that I don't rate these shows based on so far, so farness, not, not so far anyway. I've been rating them based on, I've seen all six episodes. How good is it in, in response to the rest of them? So far, Loki's the best because the ending is the best. And so it builds up into this perfect kind of finale. But I don't know that they can do that here. And if they can pull it out, pull like a rabbit out of their hat with this uh, ending, I'll be very impressed. But I'm, mm. I don't know, man. I'm not holding my breath. I, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm kind of worried. Got to be honest. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, but I don't imagine it will be good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, you, you, you I don't know. I don't know why I don't like it. Like the first two episodes are pretty great, honestly. Mm. I, it's it surprises me. I know you don't like CG, but I feel like that shouldn't be a. Too much of a deterrent for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, because sorry, you don't like CG. You like CG. You don't like bad CG. I don't think you care about CG. I, no, I hate all CG. Well, maybe. I don't know. Every, every CG I've never, I've hated. If you hate all CG, you would literally not be able to play a video game, pretty much. Yeah. You, the only game you could play is that game where there's like the live action. What's that game called? We played it together. Ooh, uh, Erica. Yeah, it's like yeah. a live action. You p- control this live action person and it's like a choose your own adventure where you tell her what to do is on PlayStation. Anyways, yeah. that's kind of getting into inside baseball and mm-hmm. video games. So let's move on, Adrian. Let's move on to reach back into that mailbag for a moment here, shall we? As mentioned at the top of our show, we ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Sean Howes wrote into us once again, Adrian, and he said... Hey guys, simple question this week and a random one. What is each of your favorite movie that was poorly reviewed? Or what is a movie that you believe to be really good that was reviewed poorly? Mm. A couple of mine. Hot Rod, purely because it's so purposely bad that it's hilarious, exactly what you'd expect from Andy Samberg. And National Treasure, watched it so many times, not sure if it's the actual movie I like or just the conspiracies behind the Freemasons. But I always enjoyed watching it Side note, a National Treasure series is coming to Disney Plus this year. Oh yeah. So, uh Adrian, what uh you think of uh what do you think of Sean's inquiry here? Ooh. What is the movie, your favorite movie that has been reviewed poorly? I feel like there's a very obvious one, Adrian. Um that we can easily say. Oh yeah, but, I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we reference it every episode or at least I do. Yeah. It's Batman v Superman, baby. Batman v Superman. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Dude, it's a great movie. Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice is legitimately quite good. We, yeah. we we talk about it almost in a joking way at the end of every episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. We've done that since episode one, and religiously so, to the point where I don't think you've ever forgotten to mention that. No. And uh, 
And yeah, it, it, we do think it's great. Like it's mm-hmm. reviewed at like 27 or 28% of Rotten Tomatoes. And it's just, uh, it's stupid. Cause it, 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 I don't know. It's very comic booky in the way that Zack Snyder, the director shot it. The, some of the shots are just brilliant. The music is so great from Hans Zimmerman. It's uh, it's a great representation of Batman. Like Ben Affleck does a really good job and people don't mm-hmm. like this movie. And when, when we talk to, even like to people that we know, I feel like we get laughed at a little bit yeah. when we've talked about how much we like Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. But it is a, to, to us like legitimately good in most ways. The only thing that's a little bit flawed for me still, it's a little bit weird, is the Martha scene. Mm-hmm. It's a little strange, but I still, I, I feel like it grew on me over time to the point where I don't hate it now. I feel like I'm okay with it. It's cool that they kind of play into the coincidence of the Martha scene or whatever, but I just, I agree. it's not the greatest moment, but it does not ruin the movie by any means, which I feel like if you ask anyone, why is the movie bad? Their answer is, what about Martha? And it's like, is that your only reasoning? Because that's not a very good argument. It's just one kind of corny moment. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, um... Yeah. I don't think I've ever agreed with you more in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I don't know. My theory about this, and I think we've talked about this before, but uh, about why it's badly reviewed is because critics, just like when they watched Eternals, they couldn't accept a concept that was so far off of the Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic Universe formula. Yeah. It's just so far off what Iron Man is and what Black Panther is and those kind of concepts. There's no, There's not much humor in it as well. And so I think it turned away critics who wanted something like that. They kind of expected that. But I feel like it's a good movie, but it just doesn't follow that Marvel Cinematic Universe formula. It's doing something mm-hmm. different. And I can easily accept it just like I accept it for Eternals, which I also quite like, but in a different way. I think Eternals is a worse movie than Batman versus Superman, quite honestly. But I agree. Yeah. Um, I also like Eternals, but Me too. it's just a different different kind of movie. Yeah. Um yeah, a couple of honorable mentions. Again, I I really like the Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City movie that came out recently. Sure do. Uh, is it badly reviewed though? Yeah, it's like at twenty something percent as well, or thirty something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't, I don't remember that. I, for some reason, I thought it was like fifty or sixty. No, it's not. It's not too high. I think it's around that mark. Let me check. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're like almost on the dot. Thirty one percent. Crazy. Um, okay. So that's another movie that I really like. And then uh, on the topic of like comedies, I really like, uh, uh, do you remember that Michael Sarah Jack Black movie Year One? You ever watch that? Year One? Yeah. No. It's uh, It came out like uh, late, like, I don't know, like, like I don't know, probably like 2010, 20, 2000, it came out 2009. I just looked it up. Um, and yeah, that's a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. I quite like that movie. I thought it was really dumb and funny. Um. Another comedy movie that I thought was really, really funny and I enjoyed is Daddy's Home with Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. That one's only at a 30%. Yeah, 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Sure. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll give you another one. I feel like, and I bet you Sean likes it too, potentially. I feel like a lot of people like this movie. Actually, maybe not even, honestly, but Step Brothers. Yeah, that's only like a 50-something. Yeah, it's 55% of Rotten Tomatoes, which doesn't make a lot of sense, honestly. Mm-hmm. And like, it's doing something different. It's clearly supposed to be stupid humor. I don't know why it's so badly reviewed. Well, yeah. although I don't know if audiences didn't like it or they just did this as the as the memeable thing that it is, but it's 69% on audience score. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, 
Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I like comedies. I also like, uh, you know, like parody movies. Do you like parodies? Like parodies, Simon? You mean like, I don't know. You mean like scary movie and those kinds of movies? Yeah. Also parodies nuts in your mouth. <laughs> Wait, what? A parodies nuts in your mouth. Yeah, but why is it par? Sorry, I'm maybe missing the language of the pun here. A a pair of these nuts. Parodies. Oh, pair of these. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Sorry, I was slow on that one. That was good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That was good. That's not quite as good as the Candace one, but that was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do love the scary <laughs> movies. <laughs> like I'm really that. judging you hard here. Uh, oh, you actually have something to say about the scary movies. Okay. Yeah, I love scary movie one and two. I don't love those, actually. Those ones mm. I don't love. I don't hate them, but I, I was not a, never a big fan of those. You know what's weird, actually, just to bring up comedies a little bit here. We've barely watched comedies in theaters, I feel like, as a kind of perspective. And I feel like there's less of them being made, which is kind of unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't see them as often that like these movies that are not just going video on demand or whatever, at least that I'm trying to keep track of. I feel like it last 10 years has kind of slowed more and more in terms of a theater going experience comedy film. That's uh, it's too bad because I, I do like, for instance, the first movie that we've seen in a while in theaters that's been a comedy is, I mean, the unbearable weight of massive talent, which we just watched. Yeah. Yeah. But before that, like, I, I don't know. What was the last one? I don't know. I guess everything everywhere all at once is kind of, but that's like more than just a comedy. Yeah, not really. It is really funny. I feel like it's, it is funny, but it, like a Marvel movie is not a comedy, is it? Um, Some of them are. Like I would say Guardians is and Thor Ragnarok. Man. It is, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it like that would not be the genre that I would put it in. Where Step Brothers is a comedy. That's, that's what mm-hmm. it is basically. Or, or, or honestly- the, I feel, like the unbearable weight of massive talent is yeah. definitely a comedy. Like that's I feel like clear. it's an action movie in some way, but it's a comedy for sure. Yeah. The last one that I can think of is like game night. Like was it game night? That's what I thought too. So I was walking the dog with my girlfriend and that I was trying to think about what was the, before we went to go see unbearable weight of massive talent, I was like, mm. what was the last movie I saw in theaters? It was a comedy. Cause she said, we never go see comedies. I love comedies in, in, in theaters. And I was like, yeah. We just don't. And Game Night was the last one that I could think of as well, which was amazing, by the way. Yeah. So good. I still not, the jury is still not out, but the guys who are making Game Night or who, sorry, who made Game Night are making that Dungeons and Dragons movie with Chris Pine. Yeah. I'm quite excited for that. I don't know that that's a comedy though, because I feel like they didn't really determine the genre. It's called Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Yeah. But I just don't. I don't know exactly what that's what the genre of that's going to even be. So I don't know. I wonder. I'm hoping it's a comedy because I feel like that's the only way to do this. Me too. Yeah. Appropriately. But I agree. Hmm. But yeah. I'm trying to think. Oh, we watched Good Boys in theaters as well. That was after game night, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, we did see that. That's maybe, a, that's a comedy for sure. Yeah, maybe that was the last one I can remember. That one's really well reviewed though. So it doesn't fit into Sean's question. But uh, well, to be fair, game night is too. Game night is really well reviewed. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The other one, actually, I'm just going to point out just to answer Sean's question with one last one that I can think of. I feel like there's others that I'll think of after we stop recording. Um, but then another movie that's badly reviewed that I kind of liked, and I'm wondering if I should even go back to it. And I think you mentioned it recently and said you didn't love it because um, you went back and watched it. But I actually like Christmas with the Cranks, and that movie is not mm-hmm. well-reviewed at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's legitimately not well-reviewed at all. And I just wonder if it was just because I had like a like a fond memory of it um, like watching it with my family for a number of years, we kind of watched it uh, every year almost for mm-hmm. a few years there. But it's literally a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That is the probably the worst review reviewed movie that I, quite frankly, enjoy. 
So I, uh, or enjoyed, I guess. And so I always wonder now, or have been wondering lately, should I ever watch that movie again? I don't. Should I just... Just like think of it fondly. Solidify. Yeah, solidify it in my memory is something great. Yeah, because I I remember liking that movie as a kid. And then I want to say I rewatched it within the past like five, six, seven years, whatever. And I was like, oh, this is a really bad movie. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. It it really. I, I kind of wish I didn't rewatch it. It made me a little sad. One more I'm gonna point out as an honorable mention because it literally popped up in Rotten Tomatoes when I went through Christmas of the Cranks there. And this is a movie that I legitimately thought was good, definitely as a kid, because I watched it as a, as a as a small small boy. Master of Disguise, the Master of Disguise with. Uh, oh, <laughs> I love that movie. Turtle, turtle. <laughs> yeah, tur- turtle, turtle with Dana Carvey. Yeah. Guess what the percentage of Rotten Tomatoes is for that movie. That bad um, boy, Adrian. Can you guess? I, I feel like it's going to be less than Christmas with the Cranks. So let's say 2%. It's 1%. What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I was like, no way it can be less than 2 But it can be. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah, it is. Turtle, turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit. Oh, here's the here's the movie info description on Rotten Tomatoes. Pistachio Disguisely, a, ge- <laughs> a, a genial waiter at his father Fabrizio's Italian restaurant, who's played by James Brolin, possesses an uncanny knack for mimicry. What he doesn't know is that his talent is genetic and that he is the descendant of a long line of masters of disguise, all of whom inherited the secret family gift known as Energico. Energico. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's too bad. Yeah, I'm not going to rewatch that movie. Yeah, I have fond memories. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I can't watch that again. That's it. But yeah, anyway, Adrian, that pretty much concludes our regular scheduled programming for this episode. Do you have anything mm-hmm. else to add to to me? Do you want to say anything to me or quickly to the audience before we uh, wrap this bad boy up? Uh, no, Simon. I I, uh, I I think we you know we covered a lot of things um, in this episode. I made a lot of D's nuts jokes. Thank you for indulging me. You're a great funny police because your funny policing thought it was funny for me. Yep. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Of course. And uh, audience, I'd very much appreciate it if you reviewed us on uh, various streaming platforms for podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or perhaps review us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. But what I would like you to do most of all is subscribe to us on any of the streaming platforms for podcasts that you can find, whether it be TuneIn or iHeart, whatever one you prefer, Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. We'd much appreciate it. And so uh, if you could do that, I'd, uh, I'd love you for it. But Adrian, wow, love, yeah, love, yeah, real, real love. But Adrian, I must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to the ninety-sixth episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. It is I, Adrian Pinter, signing off. And like I said before, both Batman v Superman and Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon Town City Place Village are good movies. And uh, honestly, Simon, I'm quite hungry. So I think I'm going to eat Chef Boyardee. Okay. And uh, yeah. Yeah, enjoy that. Boyardee's nuts going in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) This guy. This guy is good. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Uh, Take care. Goodbye.